Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the EduMagic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us today. And of course, as always, thank you so much for making My EdTech Life what it is today. Because of all of your support, all of your views, all of your listens, thank you so much for all the shares, too, as well. We're really excited to be back here. I know we had the weekend off because we were doing some UIL stuff here in our district, but I'm sure glad to be back. And especially right now during the week where I have an amazing guest. We've got Mike Rutherford, who is joining us this evening, and we're going to be talking about AI. We're going to be talking about got learning, growth over time, and who knows where the conversation will lead, but I'm really excited to have Mike here joining us. Mike, how are you doing this morning? I am uh, I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. I've been, I've been watching your show for uh, many years, so it's kind of uh, exciting uh, that I'm, I'm actually on it, so yeah. I'm, I'm very honored. Awesome. Well, thank you. And th that really, actually, that sounds so cool, to be honest with you. You're the first guest to say that, but saying I've been watching you for many years and, you know, the show's been on for two years plus. And to hear somebody say that is really cool. So thank you, Mike. I really appreciate your support. And I also, as always, just being able to connect with you and have you here on the show. So that's exciting. But let's dive right in, Mike. I'm really excited to chat with you. We had a great little chat here in the in the pre-chat area. But before we get into all of that, Mike, if you can, please uh, give, your, give a little brief introduction of who you are, where you're from, and just your context and education for our listeners that are out there watching or are going to be hearing this episode later on. Okay, excellent. Well, I just recently moved to uh, the East Coast from the, the Bay Area, and I'm now uh, um, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, and, uh, the reason we moved here is my wife's job because she's also an educator as well. And, um, my, my background is that I, from coming out of uh, university, I became a teacher in Fairfax County public schools in Virginia, um, and taught eighth grade civics. And right at the time they started opening up new positions for instructional technology coaches. And I, uh, applied and became one of the first 12 or really 24 technology coaches. I had 12 schools that I, I worked with, which is basically bigger than the average school district in the United States. Um, but there are a lot of driving and, and I learned a lot about the whole K-12 technology, um, technology spectrum on the instructional side. Uh, eventually I became a district technology coordinator at a smaller school district up the street called the city of Manassas public schools. Um, which is also in Virginia. And I was there for a few years, um, all during the E-Raid and the buildup and computers flowing into the classroom. Really super exciting times. The World Wide Web was coming in. We had T1 lines. You know, it was like, oh my gosh, we have this, you know, great fast internet connection. We got rid of the modems. It was really cool. Um, and after a few years, I, I wanted to do a little bit more and kind of got caught up in the uh, late 1990s in the dot-com run-up. And um, and I knew there needed to be some kind of software that helped teachers with their classes uh, in, in, um, on the computers and whether they're using computer labs or we had uh, you know, computers inside the classroom. And I contacted a company that was in the same city. I was in near Washington, D.C. called Blackboard, which was uh, one of the first LMSs in the higher ed space 
And I started the K-12 group at Blackboard and brought the LMS into the K-12 space um, back in 1998 and 1999 um, and did that for a few years uh, and then eventually left and joined a uh, publishing uh, publishing company in professional development and did a lot of professional development with teachers that are new to the profession and their mentors. Um, but then the big jump came to where I left that after almost nearly 10 years. And it was just an absolutely fantastic time from going to trade shows and hearing speeches and learning from, you know, the Grant Wiggins and Jay McTie and Carolyn Tomlinson and Dylan William. I, you know, was always around these guys and it was like, it was super exciting. And I had this opportunity uh, to move to Bangkok, Thailand, to the International School of Bangkok and return to the classroom um, and use all these things that I had learned. So I went back into the classroom um, and that's where um, I found the disconnect between ed tech and what, I'm, what was occurring in the classroom. Um, so that kind of speeds you up to where I am today. Wow, Mike. Well, that's interesting. I mean, your background, everything that you've talked about, I mean, we can definitely dive in into a lot of that as well. You know, that was a great introduction and especially surrounding a lot of tech. So you've definitely been around a lot of tech. You've seen it from all sides. And of course, like you said, you know, working with Blackboard and, you know, everything from the World Wide Web, T1 lines and the way things were, the way things are now. So and the experience that you've had even also being internationally or being international is definitely something that is huge to have and being able to see things in different perspectives. So now let's talk a little bit, as always, you know, just a little bit more of the origin story. So we'll dive in deep to uh, Mike Rutherford's story and journey into education. And then, of course, we'll get into a little bit of the chat GPT and then we'll definitely get into Got Learning because it's definitely, I've been looking at the platform and, uh, you know, obviously preparing for the show and everything, but definitely a lot of great things there that I would love for you to dive into as well. So, uh, you know, as always, superhero origin story, Mike Rutherford, what is, what does your, or what did, or what does, I should say still, does your your uh, education journey look like? Well, my education journey, uh, I'm, I'm from a family of educators from my, 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 so my grandfather uh, down to my mom, who I uh, was also a, a teacher and an author and an entrepreneur as well. Um, and I learned an absolute ton from her. I am, I'm one of the few people in the world for those special educators out there. I've, I've had taken the Woodcock Johnson test somewhere in the ballpark of 15 to 20 times. Um, because during my mom's master's program, she would use me as her test subject um, for uh, the Woodcock Johnson, which is a special education uh, uh, test um, for, for students. And so um, always wanted to be a teacher. I loved being around schools. Um, I, loved, I, I loved social studies. I loved history, all those kind of things. And I loved, I mean, I, I had one of the greatest teachers in the world in eighth grade. Her name is Sandy Murray. I'm still her name is now Sandy Lamb, but I still call her Sandy Murray. I uh, was my eighth grade civics teacher, and I wanted to do that. And I ended up becoming an eighth grade civics teacher um, because, uh, because of that, uh, which was, was super awesome. And the cool thing is, is that she actually gave me all of her, um, all of her files and lesson plans and everything because she was leaving teacher to go be a teacher, teaching to go be a mom. And uh, so I took all of those and taught for a few years. And then when I left to go be a, an instructional technology coach, she went back into the classroom and I returned all of her files and all my new files back to her. Um, and we're still, we're still friends to this day. Um, 
and she's just ab- absolutely fantastic and was such a great role model uh, in regard to uh, teaching me to, to meet students where they are um, and then lead them to new places. Uh, and it was just, it was one of the first classrooms I've ever been into where it was, you know, the thing was, what do you think? You know, and it was just like, it was, it was angelic when we could actually, it was, it, I, I learned, I learned to put words to the things where she was actually uh, letting us, you know, do analysis and we do co- learning conversations. And she, if we stated claims, she'd make us, you know, she'd make us give evidence. Um, so I very much enjoyed that and, and really started learning, looking back at that, realizing she was giving us a lot of agency uh, to let us own our learning and, and go in new places and follow passions, which I very much enjoyed. So that I, I really kind of folded that into my teaching as well. Um, so been a lifelong educator. Uh, absolutely love it. Um, been from the, from the teacher side to the district administration side, to the, um, sales and marketing side, to professional development side. Uh, I've actually been a librarian, um, and not only, and I was a high school technology coordinator, um, going to Bangkok. I actually was, uh, I did both of those there. I did something that most people shouldn't do, which is be a yearbook coordinator. Um, because they knew I'd worked for a publishing company. I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it, but everybody's like, you volunteered for that? You know, and it's like, I did. Um, and, you know, shout out to those yearbook coordinators out there because that is not an easy job um, at all. It's incredibly, incredibly hard. Um, so my, my journey is that I'm a lifelong educator. I always have been. Um, I'm still learning and I always will be learning. There's always ways to get better. Um, so I'm just excited. Uh, I'm excited to be in the field and I'm glad that I picked this field. Excellent. Well, Mike, that sounds wonderful. You know, a, a lot of what you said just really resonates. And, you know, I, I definitely agree, you know, as maybe sometimes people may say, oh, that's such an overused phrase, but lifelong learner. I mean, I'm with you on that 100% and everything that you described as far as your experience. I can also, you know, have a parallel to something that has occurred with me or throughout my journey as well and has really taken me into this, like these conversations and just having so much uh, enthusiasm and of course, even gaining more enthusiasm from amazing guests like yourself. When I hear your stories, it really pumps me up. And I hope that it also pumps up all our listeners and our viewers as well, because, you know, there's so many great educators out there, such as yourself, that are just bringing that passion too. So very inspiring. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, I, I know that you mentioned a lot as far as bringing differentiation, bringing, you know, just bringing the classes together, being able to meet every student where they are at. But let's take it back a little bit, uh, you know, because right now, you know, talking about technology and how we immerse ourselves in technology, before we get into uh, talking about uh, Got Learning, which is the platform that you have created, there's a big buzz, you know, going around this past week. And it started maybe about a week ago or maybe a little bit more when people are doing you know, they're AI avatars. And so people are loading up their pictures and doing this AI avatar stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, chat GPT is out here. And to my amazement, I have seen a lot of teachers that are panicking. They, I've heard and seen a lot of comments and a lot of threads that I belong in and a lot of groups stating, well, we need to go back now to book and paper now and do those things. And I've been one of those that has just been a big proponent to say, hey, I'm here for all of this and I am excited about what this can do for the education landscape. So 
As far as uh, you having that tech background, Mike, what are your thoughts on what we're seeing this past week? Well, I mean, th- obviously the biggest one is is the chat uh, GPT um, and the the way it can in- answer answer your prompts and 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 do it incredibly well. Um, and and you saw there was a big story in the Atlantic that came out I think almost a week and a half ago saying that the, it was the end of the college essay. Right? And then and that's matriculated down to the K twelve space of it's going to change English, it's going to change this, it's going to change that. Just like um, you know. Photo math will change mathematics. You know, there's all kinds of different amazing tools that are out there. Um, but I think, you know, having having been a more experienced uh, educator now uh, than 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 a lot of people, um, this reminds me of some times that we've had in the past, and and that is like the introduction of the World Wide Web in 1994, 95, 96, and 97, where we started putting modems in and having uh, you know ISDN lines and T1 lines. And then all of a sudden, our classrooms weren't limited by these, these four walls and just information from our library. We now could read the world. And teachers, you know, some of us, not, not all teachers, but some teachers were like, it's over. How, how are we ever going to do anything? Because kids are in the, in the, they go right to summative assessment and cheating. And it's like, whoa, you know, th- th- this is, it, it, we don't need to go there. Um, is that, is that going to be a problem? It might. If it does, let's deal with it then. But this is a wonderful resource that really breaks down these walls that that we all know it, it led us to a whole bunch of different things. If I needed to show my students what the Gaza Strip looked like, I could do so uh, in my in my social studies class, or we could pull up data from somewhere. We, it was it was just absolutely fantastic. Instead of sending someone down to go get the encyclopedia from the library or go ask the librarian, we had that right inside our classroom, and it didn't end the world there. And, you know, and then the next thing that, so teachers innovated, education innovated. I think the second thing that, that also has happened uh, during my teaching thing is the pandemic of 2020. We innovated there. Think about what teachers had to do. Uh, and it was one of the hardest, is way harder than dealing with the World Wide Web, um, of having to jump, you know, go to home, go home and run classes via Zoom or, or Teams or whatever it is. That was incredibly hard. That was truly innovative because we had to change our methods to do so. And, and, and we did. And, and I think it, it wasn't hard, incredibly hard, um, but we survived. We're coming out of it. We're, we're starting to, to, to thrive again. Um, and I think that we're going to come up with this thing that artificial intelligence in 2022 or 2023, where uh, tools like chat, uh, chat, chat GPT um, are, are available. So we're going to have to innovate again. And that's going to mean we might have to look at, you know, moving, you know, really focusing on formative assessment and gathering learning as it's occurring and uh, kind of having running records. So we really get to know our students that much better at an individual level. We need to know that so that if their writing shows up or their math shows up or their science shows up, and they're in middle school and it shows up at a graduate school level all of a sudden, you know, we have something to kind of go back and look at. And so does the student. And we can come back and we can make that a learning experience. Let's not try to catch them being wrong. Let's, let's teach them how to be right and, and know that those tools are out there. And there's actually some really good lesson plans that have come out in the last two weeks on how to use uh, chat GPT uh, 
in your classroom and to do analysis and look at what, it, what you can learn from it. And so, but if, if you really know your students, I think you're going to know if they use these kind of tools. Um, and there may be a place in time that eventually down the road, once we've learned more about them, that we will use these tools as part of our repertoire, um, not only as teachers, but as students. But I think the analysis and that, that the analysis and, and communication and the transfer of knowledge is going to be so much more important now than a summative assessment. I think we're going to have to change that and look at our performance tasks and make sure that that and really heavily look at formative assessments so much, uh, so much more than we have in the past. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, no, and I agree with you on that. You know, some of the things that I have seen, you know, from a lot of great friends of mine and a lot of, you know, tech savvy folk that work in either in the industry as well, but are also teachers. You know, when I heard that comment of somebody saying, well, actually, when I read that thread, when somebody said, oh, yeah, like, you know, we're going to go back to books and paper now instead of using the tech. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, we're, we're going backwards now. And what it did is it reminded me. Now, mind you, being an elementary student, we, I didn't have any technology at home. And at that time, you know, having a personal computer was something huge and obviously out of our price range in our household. So I would get dropped off at the public library. And guess what? I would look at the encyclopedia. And guess what? I would open up the encyclopedia and here is my report kind of word for word, but try not to make it word for word. But because, you know, no, I don't remember being taught that, you know, you need to write this, um, you know, this essay in this way and this form. It was just really like, don't copy it 110%, you know, the way it is. So, but with these tools, like I said, and, and even playing with it myself, you know, sometimes, you know, the output seems great, but it's very in a passive voice. It's not very active. It's, you know, it, it all depends on how you're asking it. So in my my thinking is like now you're going to have to teach students really how to really seek out research. Then number two, really filter out those answers or those responses to make sure that, you know, the information is accurate. Also looking for citations, finding sources, finding a lot of those things. So there is so much room there for some great learning experiences and lessons to be able to use a tool like this and to continue to grow. Um, I want to go back and reference a tweet that my great friend Tim Cavey posted on Teachers on Fire on Twitter. You know, there's a picture there that he did something on ChatGPT and the very last line really, you know, sums it up for me where it says, technology begins by making old work easier, but then it requires that the new work be better. So. I think what you were saying too, to me, I believe in my thought process goes along the line as far as the formative assessment and assessing learning as it is happening, much so like I did in my classroom where everything was like on a project base. We were there working together. Students were working together in groups. They were able to present their learning and show it in different modalities and in the modalities that they felt comfortable with. But it was right then and there just in time. But with a tool like this, I can see it as a resource to enhance what they're trying to say. They, you know, much like you would by searching something up on Google or searching something up on Wikipedia. But there's definitely a lot of great lessons to be learned there. So I really like the way that you put that and you shared, um, you know, that statement on what we can see. And obviously as teachers, what we can do. And I, I've just been telling people, try not to panic. It's going to be fine. And 
sooner or later they're going to put up a, a price on that, you know, but they've, they've given us a taste of what well, is out there. And it's not, and, and it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in, when, when the World Wide Web came out, it came, it came out in small increments because you had to have a dial up, you know, you had to have a modem and you had to use TCP IP to get out to a website. And so that was hard in the classroom. Now students can do that on their phones or on their tablets or even their Chromebooks or what on their Macs, whatever they have, they have instant access to it. So it's just going to happen a lot faster. And so I think we're going to have to innovate a lot faster, maybe not as fast as we had to for, for COVID in 2020, where, you know, in March, all of a sudden we sit home with, with laptops and people are like, what's Zoom? You know, and, and they didn't even know what it was. And then all of a sudden they be, you know, in two weeks, they're experts at it. Um, it may not happen that, that fast, but uh, it's definitely, it's definitely going to happen where we have to start capturing learning as it, it's occurring um, and providing feedback along the way and, and, and showing that growth over time. Uh, is going to be very, very important, uh, especially on the formative assessment side. And I think we're, we're probably going to have to push formative assessment much more than the transactional summative assessment that, that some, some schools uh, are, you know, especially universities live on. Um, you know, I teach, I teach, I teach, I teach. And then at the end of it, you know, it's that, uh, you know, teach, test and hope for the best kind of thing that is just not going to work anymore. Yeah, no, and I agree with you on that too, on that aspect as far as higher ed to how they are affected by it. Uh, you know, even right now, at least uh, this semester and a couple semesters back, I, I had the same professor for two classes. And what I loved about the change that I saw in her practice was, uh, for example, this last semester, she actually went into ungrading. And so we were in charge of, okay, you need to give me a pitch. It, it was for transformational uh, or tra- uh, curriculum transformation, excuse me. And so what is your pitch? And so we had, she pretty much just gave us a rubric and then she says, well, this, here's a rubric, Well, you can make your own rubric if you want. And you could be this kind of rubric or that kind of, so she gave you like complete freedom, but she was assessing obviously not only through the learning experience, but what we were bringing. And I must tell you that as unchallenging as it may seem for somebody to say, oh, ungrading and then you get to grade yourself and you it was a you were used to having teachers tell us what to do exactly word for word what you want us to submit at that given time and for somebody that even in the higher ed space with some of my uh you know peers a lot of them were just taken back and saying well what do you mean like i i, I get a choice of how i learn you know and so i loved like you mentioned the, the phrase right now, I will go over that because it, it has to deal with got learning, which is that growth over time, you know, from the beginning of that semester and what my project was till the end, which was the last pod- podcast, episode 152, we, I did ungrading, uh, which I think is something that I, you know, I, I absolutely love that practice, but it was, I was able to see that growth over time in the classroom, just in time with those approaches of making everything, you know, in a project-based learning style. And then, of course, having a nice formative assessment, still being able to get the grades and have those learning artifacts as evidence of student learning. So I think that's something that's wonderful and great. And then I love that you mentioned there. So now let's talk a little bit about that growth over time and got learning. So tell me a little bit uh, before we dive in into really what this platform can do. I want to know the thought process, what moment in time or through your experience 
did the idea of coming up with this platform just come to you? Okay. Um, well, one, going back to my story of, of being a teacher and then being uh, in the ed tech side and then leaving and going to the private sector, um, but in education with Blackboard and also with Just Ask Publications, um, I, learned, I learned a lot at those, at those companies in regard to dealing with lots of different people uh, in what we call prospects or leads um, and the conversations that you have with them and everything else. And so I did that for many years and I, and I, I learned a couple tools uh, that are, I learned about a couple tools and I became uh, an administrator of them. And there, one was what's called a CRM tool, which uh, Salesforce is. And I was a big user of Salesforce. And then also marketing automation, um, where you can do certain interesting things with email and texts and information that you provide to somebody by, by behaviors that they do and the computer takes care of it. Well, when I returned to the classroom, I, I was, you know, I, I had 135 kids. Um, I had at the time, basically two different preps. I was teaching English language arts and I was also teaching social studies. And it was incredibly hard to manage all of the, you know, to meet the needs of each individual student, um, know where they were, remember the feedback that I provided to them uh, or capture that feedback and have it somewhere. Um, whatever, what, whether you were doing conferring with Lucy Calkins and, and, and the you know, writer's workshop or whatever it may be, your conferring notes, uh, things that were put up in, in, uh, in uh, Microsoft Word or Google Docs or it was handwritten in a, in a notebook or it, was, um, or it was a conversation that you had or it was a podcast that they turned in or it was a Flipgrid video, all these kind of things, all about one student, maybe just in one week. And I remember sitting there realizing that I was spending so much time searching for learning evidence that I was doing more searching than I was providing feedback. And what I found, and, I, and in my mind, I was like, that's messed up. You know, I should, we should have tools that make us so much more efficient that we can have all of this stuff in one spot. And so how can I put all of this stuff in one spot so it'll give me more time to know my students better but also allow me to provide more growth producing feedback. But I also wanted to be able to have this running record of seeing what feedback I had provided before. Because was I giving that person the same feedback the next time and the next time and the next time and there was no growth happening. So how can we show growth over time? And so I looked for tools to do this. And this is back in 2015 when I had, uh, I was returned to the classroom at the International School of Bangkok. And um, I was, uh, back in the classroom and had all, all these kids with all this information. And I was actually sitting in a, in a, um, in a teacher concerns meeting with students about students, you know, where you say we have eight or 10 kids we want to talk about. And I remember I was sitting there saying, oh, let's talk about this person. Okay. Oh, we're going to talk about them. Oh, you know what? Next time I'll bring some work evidence. Um, I, I can put that together and, and I'm going, you know, we have access to that. We have access to that work evidence. It's somewhere in Google drive. It's in our classrooms in a folder, or, you know, even in a filing system that we may have, it may even be in one of our, well, the way that I did Google drive, you know, one of my new systems that I tried every two months, you know, I'm going to color them this way. I'm going to name it this way. I'm going to try all the, you know, we all have done it and we change them all the time. We always have a new one at the beginning of the year. 
I was like, something has to be different. And then I, I went out and looked for tools to help me with this. And I couldn't really find anything. The LMS wasn't about meeting an individual student. It was about really running a classroom um, and providing an assignment to an entire class. It wasn't about tracking a student or capturing information about a student over time. So I, I'm going to go back to that Salesforce thing. And, and I realized, wait a second, I've done this before in the private sector. I was able to deal with 250,000 prospects, leads, and customers at Just Ask Publications. Um, and when someone called, I could look up their record real quickly and remember the conversation because it told me, remember the conversation from the previous year and know that Susie from Dallas ISD, you know, her husband had broken her arm, his arm with, you know, in, by, while walking the dog. And I could ask about that. And she's like, how do you remember that? And it's like, ah, you know, good memory. It wasn't. I was using Salesforce where I had taken notes about our, our conversation. So she was part of this customer learning journey. I mean, I'm sorry, customer journey of, of, of that we had along this. Um, and I knew that that's the same kind of thing I needed to solve in my classroom. How could I take all of that information from my students and put it in one place? And so for three days, I decided, well, I, I decided I was going to do this. It lasted for three days um, because it became way too much. I was taking all the stuff that I was getting from kids. I was scanning it in. I was typing in notes. I was doing all these things. It was fantastic, except I was spending about three or four hours doing that outside of teaching, planning, coaching, all the different things that I was doing and, and, and just being a human being. Um, I was spending so much time to do it. I realized, okay, this is too much to put on the shoulders of a teacher. What we need to do is have a two-way conversational engine that allowed for us to communicate back and forth about their learning, just like we do face-to-face. We needed one online so that when a student would have a rough draft or had homework or trial and error of some sort, they can put it on, they could put it in a place and then I can provide feedback or there could be peer feedback and they can do revisions and we could have this, this kind of running record online or learning conversation online with all of this information in here. Going back to what I wanted before, which was I wanted to have, um, a place where all of that learning evidence is in one place. So. I love that. Think I, know, think I, I hopefully you're still there. Yes, yes. Looks like no. we're a little bit locked up. Okay, no, 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 I think we're good. We're good. All right, can you hear me now? Are we good? Yes. Are you good? Okay. Yeah, I'm good. Just making sure we're good. I can but, hear you. Okay, yep. perfect. So, yeah, I absolutely love all the Okay, that. there we go. Okay, and I think that was something so important is just the feedback. And. You know, my first years of teaching, honestly, like I said, I, I didn't come through traditional college of education and going into teaching. Um, you know, it's coming from marketing to teaching. And I never really understood the power of feedback until it wasn't until I was in uh, elementary and how powerful that is. Because at the time, you know, in high school, it's like you give the students the grade back and then, you know, they just, you're the paper, they just shove it back in their backpack and you forget about it because you got to yep. move on. But it wasn't until elementary when I kind of honed in my skills a little bit more and saw the power of being able to give that feedback and then being able to give students the ability to also uh, make any revisions. And then you've got peer feedback. That was all so powerful. And so I understand where you're coming from. And so now, you know, this is where the platform comes to mind and, and you created this. So I, I know I have shared the website here uh, as far as the links and everything so people can go ahead and check out. But tell us a little bit 
of what we will see here, you know, through the use of this platform. What I loved is the explore feature that you have that I can, I was exploring and playing around with this earlier where I can see it as a student, as a classroom teacher, educational specialist, school administrator, and as a parent even. Um, so walk us through a little bit about that and how important that is too as well. And of course, the ultimate goal is growth over time. That's what we want to see. Well, going back to, I originally had, had built this in, in Salesforce, as I, as, as I mentioned. Um, we're now no longer using Salesforce. We're using our own, our own purpose-built code. So we can do, we can build the tool. We built the tool the way we really wanted it to be. Um, so now if you go to Got Learning Now, it's, it's purpose-built code. But as you mentioned, we found this out. And, and this was, I don't want to say, I'm, I'm going to say don't tell anybody, but it's going to be online, so I, it doesn't matter, is didn't plan this. It just happened. Is that I added my math teacher that I was on my middle school team I, my middle school team to join, um, to join what we were building. And so she, I added her to what was got learning version one and something really cool happened. And I, I, when we, when I added her to it, I let her see my classes as well. And we had the same students cause we were the same middle school team. And so what, what, uh, what the math teacher did is one day came running down the hallway after school and goes, Oh my gosh, guess what I did. And I said, what? And she goes, I needed to know why one of our students, one of my students, and I won't name the name, who's absolute math whiz, did super unbelievable on all things math until they got to word problems. And then all of a sudden, the floor fell out and the, and the student was just struggling in a big way. And, um, and she said, I needed to come talk to you. I looked down, you were in class. I realized we didn't have the same lunch period because you know how schedules are. That day, we didn't have the same lunch periods and we didn't have any periods off. So she could have emailed me. We could have met at the next student concern meeting, whatever it may be. But instead she goes, I just went over to your class on Got Learning and saw what the student was reading and the comments and the conversations you were having with them and realized that student's at a third grade reading level in sixth grade math. And he needed help with the reading part. And so she's like, all I had to do was offer scaffolding. And then he went right back into knowing the math and showing the math real well. She was able to find that. And so it was a really cool thing of saying, wait a second, we need to be able to see the 360 degree uh, thing of the student and incorporate me as a, as a social studies and English teacher to see what's going on in math and in science and in dance and in PE and in band. But then once that occurred, then we grabbed our special education teacher and she was like, okay, this is awesome. I want all of the classes for each of my students. So I can see their growth over time in one place. And it was like, wait a second, why, why is our technology built right now with these metaphorical walls that don't allow this to happen? And we knew that this is a time that we needed to break down those walls and add everybody. Let's get the counselors in. Let's get the, the school administrators in so that they can see qualitative learning evidence and see growth over time and also participate. And then of course, you know, believing in parents as being partners, allowing parents to come in and see not grades, attendance, and behavior, but let's see what's really going on learning-wise and giving them a way to see qualitative learning, to see the feedback that was given, the revisions, all those kind of things really kind of changed. And it, was, it really was transfer, transformative in regard to how we were communicating with each other about a student. Now, 
one very important thing is that the student can see all of this as well. So they're, just think about the executive functioning we have of having everything in one spot by still using your favorite ed tech tools, you know, whether it's Google Docs or, you know, Google Classroom or Flipgrid or whatever, uh, Khan Academy, all of those things you can drop right into learning conversations. And so it's, it's incredibly process neutral along with content neutral and, um, and also technology neutral. We wanted to make it so that each teacher did something that they could do it the way that they wanted to. And we learned that as well. Cause when I built it for the math teacher, she didn't like it and she wanted it another way. And then I, the other English teacher was teaching the same thing as me. Didn't like it that way, the way that I had it set up. And then all of a sudden I realized I was doing building things for everybody. Um, and that's part of the reason why we, we went away from uh, and built our own code base. So we can build it so that we could be process neutral and allow teachers to teach the way that they want to and even do it and make it different at each student level, depending on where their students were. You know, that is so powerful. Just the way that you implemented all of that, you know, from the teacher to the admin, to the counselors, to the special ed teacher, to the parents. And I think that's something that is so important. And, you know, I wish, you know, when I was still in the classroom, you know, more than four years ago, and then those last years where I really honed in my skills, because it, it seems it would be very, um, it would fall right in line with the way that I taught because it was a lot of projects, a lot of learning artifacts. And to me, it was always that evidence of learning that if I went into an RTI meeting, if I went into a 504, normally, you know, sometimes teachers may go in there and say, or the parent is there, well, you know, why is the student not doing well? And the only answer sometimes would be, it's like, well, they're just not passing the test. Okay, well, what exactly is it specifically that they may be missing? Well, they're, they're just not passing. They just need to study more. When I went in, it was, well, let me show you. Let me pull up the students' assignments that they have, you know, that they've turned in in Google Classroom. And let me show you the artifacts. And then I came in with that evidence. So the fact that, you know, the, the RTI committee or the 504 committee was able to see, wow, this is where the student was at fourth grade and where they started at the beginning of the year. And you're telling me that this is where they are now. And they were able to see visually that growth because you had evidence of that learning. And then the parent was able to see that. That's something so important. So I'm loving, you know, what you have here because it, it gives you power to make those decisions, whether it's by teacher and student or at the admin level, still seeing what we can do together as a team. So we're on the same page. And that's really exciting to me to be able to have access to all of that and just, you know, really meeting the students where they're at. Yeah. Well, yes. And the, the, like you said, the growth over time aspect is, is key. And the, the parent teacher conferences were absolutely spectacular in regard to, because they, we had student, student led conferences and we never talked about grades, didn't talk about attendance, didn't talk about behavior. It was a student that put together their own, what they wanted to show here, here is where I am as a writer in August. Here is where I am in November. And this is what I've learned in, in one, one key that, I mean, and this happened a ton of times, but one really cool story was a very high powered attorney was sitting next to uh, his daughter and the daughter was talking about how she now knew how to write persuasively. And what she was writing for here was this, but she stated claims and gave evidence, but used persuasive language to do this. And you saw the, you, you saw the father's just looking at her going like, you, you can, you can do that. I, 
I want to hire you for my law firm right now. I have employees that can't do that. You know, it's like, and you saw this beanie from the daughter that they hadn't had this conversation before because it was usually about grades or behavior or attendance. This was about what she was learning. And it was just, it was one of those teaching moments that you were just like, oh my God, I love what I do. Um, and this was, and it was all facilitated by the student because they had access and they had put everything together and that they made this. And, and she was able to, you know, she had, you know, we, she owned her learning and talked about how she had grown as a writer and what she could do. And it was one of the coolest things that had ever happened to me as a teacher. Um, and it, it was just fantastic, fantastic days. I really liked parent-teacher conferences where before they used to just be exhausting, still exhausting, but exhilarating and, and, and really, really just an awesome experience. Awesome. Well, that's great. That's such a wonderful story. So Mike, you know, I've been sharing the link here, uh, you know, in the chat. And of course, that'll be also in the show notes so everybody can get access to Got Learning. So let's say that tomorrow, you know, or even tonight, you know, somebody that may be rewatching or listening to this, they go to uh, gotlearning.com. What is it that they will get to access if they go in and they, there's a sign up for free? What does that entail? Well, if you go to Got Learning and, and sign, them, sign up for free, you get what's called the free pro teacher account, which gives you a, your own classroom that you can uh, populate with a, a, um, with a sample class with real students, with real students' work um, in anonymized, of course, but it's fake, fake names. Um, and you can play around with the class and you can also add your own classes and see the platform. And now what's, what's really cool about this is that you can also, once you start building your own classes, you also can invite your administrator and invite your administrator to be part of your class. Um, and we are about to add, in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna add where you can add two other teachers to your group. So you can have a team of teachers. So whether you have a grade level team or a middle school team, and you wanna add and share some of those kind of things and still have like those kind of things I had with my math teacher and my special education teacher, you're going to be able to do that as a team, writing Got Learning, so you can see each other's students um, and see that whole picture of the students while providing ongoing feedback and personalizing learning and all those kind of things. And of course, showing growth over time. So you're able to do that right from the website. Excellent. Well, I'm really excited about that. And like I said, I was playing a little bit, uh, I was playing a little bit with it earlier today and yesterday as well. But thank you so much for sharing this amazing work because it really is exciting and for I, I mean, like I said, this is the whole point of the show, really, like the uh, uh, this conversation, you know, connecting educators, creators one show at a time. The fact that you, as an educator, created a solution to something that you were seeing and now sharing that solution with many others that may think the same way and want that evidence there. And of course, you want to include everybody uh, within that learning process as well is something that's very powerful. So I'm really excited and I highly encourage all our audience members and anybody that's going to be catching this show, please make sure you check out gotlearning.com. And then that way you can go ahead and play around with those features and see how you can sprinkle it onto what you all already doing it great. So thank you, Mike, for sharing. But Mike, before we go, obviously we're kind of getting close to wrap up time, but we always love to end our show with these final three questions. So here we go, Mike. Question number one before we wrap up is, in the current state of education, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? My edu kryptonite, saying the thing that, that drives me craziest, if you will, or yep. I would have to say compliance. 
anything, uh, things that are based on a compliance-based classroom instead of a competency-based classroom. Um, one that's done about, hey, this is a forced march. Everybody must do this and you must do it this way. That is one of my biggest absolute pet peeves is, is a completely compliant classroom that doesn't have a place for students for voice and choice. Uh, and and, and is, it's just about control and compliance um, is, is uh, my biggest edukryptonite. All right. Good answer. Good answer. All right. My question number two. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? I would say um, all students can learn. And why would I do that? Because that's one of the three things that I was taught by my new teacher mentor, Paula Rutherford, my mom. Uh, about what I needed to have in my classroom is one of three things. One was all students can learn. Um, and then to also tell the, tell the kids that all students can learn. Two, you can do it. And three, I won't give up on you. And those three things I have used not only in the classroom, but as a parent, as a athletic coach, as, you know, all kinds of different things. Uh, and just right, setting the right culture. So, so I'm going to say I want those three things on the billboard. Not just Excellent. One. No, that's great. And I was going to say, you know, we can fit those three in there and it would be a magnificent billboard for sure. All right, Mike, last question. Let's say that this was the Got Learning podcast with host Mike Rutherford and I was your guest. What would be one question you'd like to ask me? Okay, let's go back to the beginning conversation that we had about AI and um, chat uh, GPT. And that was, what would you do? You're, you're, an, you're an instructional technology coach, which I know you are, uh, is, is, and you are working with a group of teachers who are absolutely freaking out about AI and they do want to go back to just, to just books and pencils and paper. Uh, what's, your, what's your way of talking them down? And what, how would you how would you go about doing so? Sure, absolutely. My number one thing is, you know, number one, the technology is always going to be ever evolving. Like we need to move forward. But what I would do is having the relationship that I have with a lot of them there in the district is they were some of the ones that would push back a lot on the tech. And but especially when we jumped into pandemic, now they feel a little bit more comfortable. So what I would do is really just to make them at ease and say, hey, let's open this up. Let's check it out. Let's play around with it. Let's get clicky with it. Get to see it because I think the more familiar they are with the tool as well and see maybe the type of answers and then maybe up, apply it, make it applicable to whatever subject area that they are or content area that they teach. Let's go ahead and pop in, you know, some questions. Let's see what it gives you. And then that way they can be familiar with that tool. Now, again, just to show them that familiarity that, number one, you're still in control of what you put in, and then it's going to give you an output. But just to build that comfort level and really start thinking and saying, okay, if I am teaching this this way, what can I do different where the student will not just get a, you know, a canned response from this uh, GPT program, but what can how can I maybe assess it or give a question that they would need to dive in a little bit deeper than just the blanket response that may come? 
So it's really, let's dive in, let's jump in, let's experiment, and let's get familiar with it. Because right now I think it's more of that familiar of the, or, you know, being unfamiliar with the unknown. And a lot of teachers just panicking, saying, oh, the AI is going to take over our jobs and AI is going to do this. It's like, no, let's see how we can leverage this and just get better at what we do. And I think that's really what's going to happen. That is educators, we're going to have to know these tools better to leverage that to really push education forward because this isn't going to go anywhere and it's probably only going to get better. So what can we do now to start working with our students and even ourselves to make everything a little bit better. So that would be my approach there. It, it reminds me of, uh, uh, did you ever watch Ted Lasso? Yes. Okay. Remember how he misquoted Walt Whitman in the yeah. darts game? It was an incorrect quote. I thought it was Walt Whitman, looked it up. It's not. Um, but it's the whole thing about be curious, not judgmental. Mm -hmm. And man, I love that quote. And that's, that's, that's basically what you're saying is, hey, let's be curious about yeah. it before we judge and say, you know, the roof's going to fall in on us at schools and the walls are going to collapse. Everything's yeah. done. We got, you know, we have to go back to, you know, slates or whatever, or chalkboards. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you're saying, let's be curious yeah, and not that, judge people. So exactly. So that would be I had to throw a Ted Lasso quote in there at some point. Oh, I love it. I love it. I Fantastic. love it. Well, Mike, thank you so much for this great evening and this great chat that we had. It was just amazing. And I always feel refreshed and re-energized when I get to speak to a guest. So the fact that I get to do it on, you know, not on Saturday and doing it during the week, that even pumps me up even more. But thank you so much for the passion that you shared, your authenticity, your genuineness, and of course, you know, how you came up with Got Learning. So educators, anybody out there in the education space, please make sure that you go to gotlearning.com. Make sure that you check that out. And also please make sure that you stop by our website at myedtech.life where you can check out this episode and 152 other great episodes with amazing educators that you can connect with and find something that you can sprinkle on to what you already do great. As always, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for making my EdTech life what it is today. And also, please don't forget to visit our merch store where we've got some great designs. You can pick yourself up a hoodie. Conference season is around the corner after December. You've got January, February. You've got some nice conference wear that you can pick up here and support our show. Um, so make sure you stop by our store. And as always, my friends, from the bottom of my heart, until next time, don't forget... Make sure that you stay techy. We'll see you next time.